Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As I was pondering all the drama we've had in the news lately, all the way from the internet to Facebook, we as a country are really going through a tough time. A tough time. I mean, today I think of the world news, and I found something very interesting when it comes to world news. I found that North Korea was unleashing the biggest one-day missile barrage against South Korea. Here was the headline. South Korea launches at least three missiles on Wednesday after North Korea fired at least 17 missiles. The barrage of fire comes after NOCO threatened to use nuclear weapons. That was the headline on the world news. And then if you click a little bit more, I was thinking it's the UK tightened security over hijacking fears from Russia and China. Now they've been in the news a lot. You think about that. And then I was saddened to read today in our own world that two Iowa teenagers accused of killing their Spanish teacher over a bad grade. The headline read, two Iowa students allegedly killed their Spanish teacher last year in response to receiving a poor grade. The teenager will be tried as adults. A little bit closer to home, my wife was making a phone call yesterday and was trying to figure out some stuff and found out that this fellow who's in charge of, of the distribution for the, the food bank uh, was at home, and she said, oh, are you, home? Are you not feeling well? And he, goes, she, he said, no, um, my brother was killed this past week. And Nathalie said, well, how? Like, what happened? And he said, don't know, was leaving the sister's house and got in an argument and, and was shot. This is in our hometown. This is in our hometown. You guys, you know there are many more. There are many more. And I think about, I think about just the stress and the strain that it puts on the American people, but much more the Christian. We talked about this before. Many of us are homesick. We're ready to go home. Eva was walking by saying, please, 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 let's, I'm ready to go home. And I get that. Because what Eva displayed to us is not only is she homesick, but she's here sick. And a lot of us are here sick. But I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. Don't. When it comes to the Lord returning for his saints, yes, there is a day that he's going to do that. But as I looked over at Grace Church on Sunday and saw the people getting saved, I said, this is the reason that he's going to be patient. And so we have to be here sick just a little bit longer. We have to be here sick a little bit longer. Listen, we all know what it's like to have these kind of days. The kind of days where we feel like the bottom has just fallen out. Life as we knew it has suddenly changed. Whether it's wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, things that are happening in the world... 
or just the thought of what's happening in the Middle East. We all feel the effects when a world we're living in seems to be headed downward at an alarming pace. This is the world we live in. You see, prior to 2020, many of my preachings were, yeah, the world is going down. Hey, be careful. Hey, the alarm is coming up. Be ready. But it's even more so now. I can't tell you how many times I uh, watch the news and, or get on the internet or see something going on, and it's, and it's at a rapid pace. It's like, if, I mean, we can't catch our breath. I liken the world to this, guys, when we stand in the ocean and one wave comes and you sort of be able to handle the one wave, but you move a little bit further and another wave comes and they keep coming. They keep coming to you back up and say, I'm, I'm getting out of the ocean because the waves keep, and that's how we feel what's going on in the world. So we all feel the effects when the world we're living in seems to be headed downward. So here's my question to you, church. Have you ever had one of those days? One of those days when you feel like the bottom has just fallen out? Well, let's talk a little bit closer to home. What do you do when the bottom falls out of your marriage? Or what do you do when the bottom falls out of your career? Or your kids? Or your health? What do you do when you get the lab report and it doesn't look good. What do you do when the doctor takes you in the office and says, have a seat? And they look at you and say, yes, it's cancer. What do you do when relationships break down? Or they never form. When you find out that your daughter's pregnant, or you find out your son is on drugs, or that your spouse has been, has, has been seeing someone else. When your plans and your dreams never materialize, what do you do then? I want you to put on your thinking caps for just a moment. Why? Because Daniel was a man who knew firsthand what it was like to have the bottom fall out of his world. A lot of that we can relate to Daniel. You see, life wasn't always rosy for Daniel. And although Daniel had been born a royal institute lineage, King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Daniel's homeland, guess what, took him captive as a prisoner of war when he was a young boy. If we were to have coffee with Daniel at, a, at an old age, he would have said, are you kidding me? I had my whole life ahead of me. Are you serious? All of a sudden, I realize I'm being taken. The bottom has literally fallen out. Daniel, what are you going to do for your senior prom? I don't have a senior prom. I'm now in the court of the king. But see, I'm not going to be heathen. I still need to remain Hebrew. See, lately, the events of Daniel's life have been on the upswing, though. From chapter 1 to chapter 2, you see, Daniel received an appointment to train for the king's service. At the end of the training, he had become superior to all of his peers. With God's help, he is risen above his adverse circumstances. Let me say that again. With God's help, he had risen above his adverse circumstances. His future, which at one time was very dim, was now bright again. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, he wasn't going back to Jerusalem. We know it's going to be 70 years. But something's changed. And I think we need to have the perspective that Daniel has. 
I think we need to put on the glasses that Daniel wore. Listen, we're, we might be in Babylon, but we've got to have the right attitude while we're in Babylon. We've got to have the right attitude. This is what Daniel's going to teach us. That's where we left off with Daniel last week. But as we come to Daniel chapter 2, we find what you would call a dramatic shift. Suddenly things in the kingdom are being shaken, and Daniel's world once again is going to be shaken. His world is going to be shaken. How so? Well, Daniel's world, like ours, is going to be filled with a lot of drama. What do you mean? Well, for example, think about this. In chapter 3, we're going to see Daniel's friends being thrown into a fiery furnace. Talk about the bottom falling out from under you. In Daniel chapter 6, we're going to see where there's a plot to murder Daniel. We all know the story. And yet, he will face another drama. What drama? The hungry lion's den. His crime? You ready? Prayer to God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine right now, your crime is prayer. Pastor Ben, if I come to the noonday prayer, I don't know, I'm putting my life out on the line. Really? Really? But today we come to chapter 2. Here we find the king has a dream that so freaks him out that he sends for his wise counsel hoping to put some meaning in his dream. So I decided to call this message, you ready? Sleepless in Shinar. Sleepless in Shinar. Why? Because Shinar is another name for Babylon. It sounded so much better, kind of like sleepless in Seattle, but sleepless in Shinar. Now, remember what we've learned so far. Daniel is a God-loving young man. He is a godly man. He has been called by God to live for God and to speak for God. And he is called to do that, listen to me, in one of the most sin-filled, idolatrous empires that has ever existed in world history. Let me say this again because I want you guys to feel the weight of this and simply relate. How so? Daniel is a God-loving young man. That's a good place for an amen. You go, amen. He's a godly young man. He's been called by God to live for God and to speak for God. Where? In one of the most sin-filled, idolatrous empires that has ever existed in the world. Think about this. It's the same for you and I. God has literally called you to love him. To love him, to be godly in our workplace, to be godly in our homes, to speak for God in one of the most sin-filled, idolatrous empires anyone has ever seen. Now I want you to remember this application. Daniel is a long long, long way from home. He has been carried away some 900 miles from his home. Now, uh, feel the weight of that. Feel the weight of that. Why? Because think about this. It wasn't like, well, you know what? Listen, if I could just run away, if I could just escape from the 
from the king. I can go back to my homeland. Maybe I could. He couldn't just do. You understand, the 900 mile was a permanent place. And it reminds me, we too are a long way from home. We too are a long way from home. Oh, here's what I want you to see. Lubbock is not our home. Lubbock is not our home. This earth is not our home. Oh, yes, we have the elections coming up in in just a few days. I encourage you to vote. Vote biblically. Vote your conscience. Vote what's right. But this is not our home. What if we lose? This is not our home. What if we win? This is not our home. You understand that. Here's what I love about the Word of God. If you're taking note, God has told us what He's going to do way before He's going to do it. We know what's going to happen. We know Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's going to happen. We know there's wars, rumors of wars. It's all before us. Why are we so shocked when it happens? Well, the world's going crazy. Really? You didn't know this? Well, yeah. I did. Okay. So what should we do? We know what's going to happen. But what I love is that heaven is our home. Because that's where our hearts are planted. And I can't wait. I can't wait to go home. Think about it. You realize a day is coming. A day is coming when none of this is even going to matter. None of this. Your co-workers, the ones who stress you out, your whatever it might be, whatever it brings anxiety, that's not going to be a case anymore. You see, because at a moment's notice, we're going to hear the trumpet. And when we hear that trumpet, we're all out of here, man. Wow. And you won't have to worry about sickness or death or bills. You won't have to worry. You have to pay the light bill. God's paid the light bill. You don't have to worry about heating, perfect temperature all the time. You don't have to worry about gasoline or diesel. Think that, think about that. I'm just throwing that in there. God's got this. So, in our text, you can write this down. It's almost safe to say that Daniel is also here sick as well as homesick. You know he's going through that. I love the fact that Jesus told us that he was going to go and prepare a place for us. And if he's gone to prepare a place, he's going to return and he's going to take us to where he is. Now, I want you to think about this. The world gets stranger and stranger and harder and harder. But let me tell you what's happening in your life. You ready? He's weaning you away from the world. The harder it gets, the more difficult it becomes, the more you pull out your hair, the more you watch the news and go, Oy vey, I can't believe what's going on. What he's trying to do is wean you away from the grip of the world. That's what he's doing. You can see it in our lives. You know, 
Well, I mean, I could, I could have a whole sermon on exactly what this is, but let's go on. So, last week, if you weren't here, in chapter 1, we learned that you and I can be like Daniel. You know, what do you mean? That we can live a life faithful to the Lord, even in the face of all extraordinary pressure that this world puts on us in order to conform us after itself. You understand, that's what Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, therefore, do not be conformed to the world. Don't be conformed. The world wants to squeeze you into its mold. And we learn from Daniel that we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. We don't have to uh, compromise our walks. We don't. We, we, there's all these extraordinary prayers. You need to believe this way. You need to walk this way. You need to talk this way. You've got to do this. And we go, no, no, no. You know what? No. I don't have to. But it requires something. You go, what's that? Jot this down if you're taking note. It requ- requires a purposeful heart. You've got to have a heart of purpose. A heart of purpose. That's what it requires. It also requires a whole undivided heart to God. You see, let's say that this is the world, and let's say this is God. We can't have one foot in the world and one walking with God. That's un- we got to say, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm tired of playing games. I don't want to play church. I don't want to. I'm all in. And that's exactly what Daniel did. But Daniel did that way before he even went to Babylon. He had an undivided heart. But you know what also it requires? It requires the issue of his lordship settled in our life. The issue of lordship. Why? Because so many people have made Jesus Savior, but they've never made him Lord. They don't say, Lord, I'm all yours. Everything. And I'm going to make... And when Jesus is Lord of your life, guess what? He's in control of everything. He's in control of everything. You see, Daniel said, that's it. He settled it no matter what. That's why you find him, hey, you can't pray. It's against the law. Where's Jerusalem? I'm going to pray. It was already settled. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Can I tell you what I found in these recent days? You have the world telling you, ah, don't believe that. Jesus, you better take care of yourself. You've got you've to work hard and you've got to make money. And the world tells you that. But sometimes the church and pastors will tell you and lead you the wrong way. You go, Ben, what should we do? Always stick to the Word of God. Always stick to the Word of God. Your answer should always be, I don't know. Let's see what God says about this. What's your stand on whatever platform they want? I don't know. Let's see what God's Word says. Well, that's an ancient book. No, it isn't. This is the Word of God. I believe it's God-breathed. It's, this is the Word of God. What does He say about this? That should always be. Why? Because they're not trying to corner the Word of God. They're trying to corner you. You've got to be careful, church. You've got to be careful. Daniel resolved the issue of lordship in his life in order to stand the way he did. He, he resolved it. He resolved it. What we need to realize is that that resolve, church, listen, that resolve 
is not an emotional resolve based on our lives. One minute we go, oh, God, please, I'm sorry. And, and it's emotional, and we come and go, yeah, I'm going to follow you. And then things get better, and we go, okay, I'm good. I'm good now. Why are you following the Lord? Yeah, but emotions play so much a part. There has to be a purpose in your heart, in your mind. I'm following Jesus. Regardless of my circumstances, I'm following Jesus. That's what Daniel did. And he reminds us that this could be done. A life faithful to God in a world full of compromise. We need to hear about a life that was lived so that we can be encouraged too. So, as we come to chapter 2, let me tell you where we're going. Tonight, we're going to cover verses 1 through 16. Next week, we're only going to look at two verses and get the foundation for prayer in Daniel's life and in ours. Okay? So, you guys know this, but at Calvary Chapel, we go verse by verse by verse, and so we're going to cover prayer next week. What does that mean? You can't miss. We'll hunt you down. We'll find you. We'll get you in the bus. and we'll. No, I'm kidding. But you guys understand, I, we got to have the foundation for prayer. This is key. This is key. And later on, we're going to talk about the dream and what it means. But tonight, let's just go and let's just kind of see. Now, let me give you an outline. Very, very important as you study the book of Daniel. Chapter 2 is going to give us an outline of what Jesus called, ready, jot this down, the times of the Gentiles. Right here, he's giving us the outline. The times of the Gentiles. Let me give it to you in Luke twenty-one twenty-four. It says, And they will fall by the edge of the sword and led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Everybody see that? This is starting the times of the Gentiles. Now, what Jesus is saying is the time of the Gentiles need to be fulfilled. The times during which God has determined that the Gentiles will tread down Jerusalem. Hey, jot this down. It starts right here at 605 B.C. This is the time of the times of the Gentiles. This is the time of the Gentiles. Very, very important as we move through Daniel so you get prophetically what we're talking about. What we're talking about. Now, let me give you just a cool side note. In Romans chapter 11, verse 25, it talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. You go, what do you mean? Well, this means till all the Gentiles have had their full time of that place in the church, which the Jews in their time had before them, after which the Jews being again grafted into their own olive tree, the church of the Jew and Gentile together shall fill the earth. You go, Pastor, what's the point? Well, according to Paul, here's what he says. Let me give it to you in, in just simple terms. We won't get to go home until that one final Gentile gets saved. We won't get to go home. And I often say, so if you're here today and you're not saved, you could be holding things up. <laughs> We're waiting. Pray this prayer after me, and then we hear the trumpet. I don't know what it means, but you guys understand that. We're waiting for that one Gentile, that one final person to say yes to the Lord. Now, 
in chapters 2 to 7, okay, we have the framework, ready, jot this down, that is called the backbone of biblical prophecy, chapters 2 to 7, the backbone of biblical prophecy, okay? From chapters 2 to 7, God is going to outline, here it is, the rest of Gentile history. In three weeks, we're going to talk about the great image and what that represents. But right now, here's where it begins. Okay, chapter 1 gave us an introduction. And so with that, let's jump into our text, chapter 2, 1 through 16, called Sleepless in Shinar. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Right? There is a lot happening in this verse, but really at first glance, there's something happening here in Shinar. Nebuchadnezzar is so freaked out that his sleep has left him. Has that ever happened to you? Now, I'm not talking about you waking up at 3 o'clock and going, oh, I can't go back to sleep, it's 3.30. I'm talking something so startling that it freaks you out. That's what's happening here. You go, what do you mean? Well, let me, let me, let's, let's unpack this, okay? Let's, it's just a really good text. Some of the liberal scholars, again, go, whoa, 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 let's look at verse 2. Look at verse 1 again. Look at verse 1. I want to show you something. And, and they try to find fault in the Word of God. You need to understand that. Why? They say, look, how is it that Daniel has completed three years of schooling at the University of Babylon and here, it's only the second king of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. You can't trust the word of God. Again, as we study scripture, we're reminded that Nebuchadnezzar's first year was called the year of ascension. That's his first year. So technically, this would be his first year as king, second year would be his total of three years on the throne. Everybody understand that, okay? So the year of ascension would not be considered his first year, although it is his first year on the throne. His second year, third year, but biblically he's going, hey, this is his second year. Oh, see the word of God. No, no. It just means God's word is true. But I love that the Lord does that so you and I can study the Word of God. So we just sit there and we go, wow, this is crazy. This is amazing. You go, what does it mean? First of all, it means Daniel would have graduated from school. He would have gone through three years. You with me? Okay? Daniel would have graduated from school. So what happens? King Nebuchadnezzar, he's a Gentile king and he has dreams. Okay? What does he have? He has a dream from the Lord. Okay, now here's what I want you to know. Let's go back to it and look at it one more time. In the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had what? Dreams. Notice it's plural. It wasn't just one dream. Okay, you go, what does that mean? Circle that word and you could say it was the same recurring dream. The same recurring dream. You ever have that? Yeah, 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 yeah. He has the same recurring dream. But here's what I was encouraged by. I've got to be honest with you. Okay? God, our Heavenly Father, often warns pagan kings through dreams to accomplish his works. We see it here in the book of Daniel. So that makes me 
wonder and encourages me, could some of our corrupt people, (laughs) for lack of a better word, God could be using dreams. He did it with Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, they're not coming on. They're not coming on the media and going, "Oh, I had a dream last night. I'm so freaked out." But I guarantee you that God can do that. Doesn't that encourage you? Because we sit here and we shake our head and say, "Oh, I got to be honest with you. I look at what's going on in the world today, and um, you know what? I need to be praying for these people because they're still souls." But instead, I look at them and think, you're going to spend eternity in hell for the evilness that you're doing. But I need to pray for them. But I was encouraged. What we need to understand, guys, and bring comfort tonight as you put your head on the pillow is God is still working behind the scenes. What you can't see, He's already working. And we just go, Lord, you got this. You got this. I don't have to worry about the elections. I don't have to worry about the president. I don't have to worry about what's going on in the world. I don't have to worry about China or Russia. That's not saying that we can't be wise. We need to be wise. God often warns pagan kings, doesn't he? I mean, think about this. Another example in Scripture would be Abraham and Sarah. Do you remember that in Egypt? It was King Abimelech. And basically, he goes, baby, you look so pretty. Please, oh, sweet. they're going to kill me if they see you, baby. You're so pretty. Um, tell the king that you're my... Yeah. And guess what? Abimelech has a dream going, that's not your sister. That's your wife. Right? Genesis chapter 3, or 20, verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream at night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man, because the woman whom you have taken, for she is another man's wife. Wow! That's deep. That's deep. Abimelech's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But we won't get into that. But I also think, too, Genesis chapter 41. Do you remember? Pharaoh had a dream, and Joseph interprets that dream. You guys know the story, right? We had what? Now, now here's where wisdom comes in. He says, you're going to have seven healthy cows and then seven sick cows. What was wisdom in Joseph? Joseph said, we need to store up for the seven years of famine. Okay, so what should we do? We should store up for whatever God has in store. You know, there should always have a little extra. You should always be putting stuff. You guys, this is wisdom from the word of God. Why? Well, what if we don't need it? We always eat food. It's not like we don't eat food. But what if we're raptured? Well, then you're going to bless somebody else. But just think about this. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. In other words, don't live paycheck to pay. Don't live, okay, we ran out of food. Let's go to the store. Okay, we ran out of food. Let's go to the store because one day you're going to go to the store and I'm just going to go out on a limb here. There might be some empty shelves there. Go, Ben, there already is. I know. I'm being silly. There is. There's empty shelves. Go. I used to buy Gatorade here. Can't buy Gatorade. Can't find Barry. What's going on? Use wisdom. Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. Now, there's something disturbing about this dream. Nebuchadnezzar knew that it was unusually significant. 
Now, when you talk about sleepless in Shinar, think about this. God is wanting to get the king's attention. Okay? There was something so disturbing, it woke him up. Now, again, it doesn't say that he woke up, kind of hit the, oh, whew, that was weird. I mean, I've had those dreams. You guys had those dreams, right? You wake up and you go, that was a weird dream. And the first thing he goes, what did I eat before bed? You know, whether you ate, and it's not only pizza, but, you know, I mean, we say that. Oh, I had pizza before bed and I had these crazy dreams, you know. And it was. I mean, sometimes you think you're flying. <laughs> sometimes you're surfing on a... I mean, they're just, they're just so crazy that you go, wow, that was weird. And then you go about your day. But this says that his sleep left him. His sleep left him. Think about this. God is wanting to get the king's attention. Now, here's my thought. You ready, church? I wonder... If there are times when we can't sleep, that maybe God is wanting to get our attention. I wonder if God is wanting us to pray. And I don't mean just pray, Joe. Well, I, was, I woke up and I was like, I'm gonna, I, Lord, you want, me to, you want me to pray, Lord? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking you're like this. And there's something so heavy on your heart that you need to pray. You need to pray. Or maybe he's wanting us to listen. He wakes you up. Hey, hey. Or maybe he's about to do something big. He's about to do something big. See, God uses all these things in our life. And he wakes us up at times to try to tell us something. He tries to tell us something. You go, Ben, but do you have any biblical support? Well, I think about the book of Esther. In chapter 6, verse 1, the king couldn't sleep either. Do you remember what happened? So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and there was the difference between Mordecai and Haman. Oh, wait a minute. What has been done for Mordecai? Now listen. Usually, if I'm waked up, woke up in the middle of the night at three in the morning, I don't ask for history. Bring the history book, you know? But I love that God was so directing him. Don't you just love that? God was directing, and he, well, what's going on here? Now, here's where the bottom begins to fall out. Look at verse 2. Then the king gave the command to all the magicians, the astrologers, and the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dream. So they came and stood before the Lord. Now, again, this is getting heavy. Now, you need to know, so you have an idea who, some, who these guys are, you need to jot this down, okay? Because he said, the king goes, hey, where are the magicians? The astrologers, sorcerers, bring the Chaldeans. Now, you need to know who they are. The magicians are not like we think magicians, right? It wasn't like, hey, here's the bunny out of a hat. You know, he's not, that's not what he's talking about, right? Hey, pick a card. Let me show you. That's not, it's not the Mike Shaw magician kind of guy, okay? These are more like the religious lawyers. They call them magicians, but they're the religious lawyers. He calls the astrologers. These are guys who looked at the stars for the future, okay? They're saying, oh, okay, this lines up and this lines up. He asked for the sorcerers. Guess who these are? These are the magic potion dudes. Okay, they would put spells and incant incantations on people. 
And then he asked for the Chaldeans. These are the very, very wise priests. So he has a group of people. Hey, we got to talk. We got to talk. So I need, I need all of my wise guys. I need all of the magicians. I need the astrologers. I need all of them here. And they come in in verse 3. And the king said to them, I've had a dream. And my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans, who are they? The very smart wise priests. They, the Chaldeans spoke to the king in, what's that word? Aramaic. Very, very important. And they said, O king, live forever. Tell your servant the dream, and we will give the interpretation. Now, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to see. From Daniel chapter 2, verse 4, to Daniel 7, 28, the text is written in Aramaic. Okay? Not Hebrew. This is Aramaic. This is the only section of the Bible written in Aramaic. This was the language of the Babylonian Empire. This was the common language, much like English is around the world. So these guys come in. First, the wise priests come in and go, hey, hey, hey. And what do they do? They sing, oh, king, live forever. Now, again, this is like a cool way to say, oh, oh, you know, and they're, they're giving mad props, if you will, to the king. They're kind of going, hey, oh, king, live, you're, you're the best, man. You know, you're the best. All right. That's what they're saying right here. This is what it means. Now, they're trying to just ease him because you can tell that Nebuchadnezzar is out of control. He's really startled by what he saw. Really? So much so that he can't sleep, not even if they put on soft music, whatever it might be. He can't even take melatonin anymore. His sleep is gone. And so the Chaldeans come in and go, hey, 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 um, O king, live forever. Hey, why don't you tell us the dream? And we'll tell you what it means. Seems like a reasonable thing, right? Seems like a reasonable thing. King, this is, this is, this is. Everybody calm down, calm down. This is, this is what's happening. Well, notice what happens in verse 5. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, My decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me and its interpretation, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made an ash heap. However, if you tell the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me the gifts, the rewards, and great honor. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Now, let's do some work just a little bit, okay? Because the king answers them, and he says this, my decision is firm. Everybody see that? Let me give you two schools of thought on this. Very, very important. In the King James Version of the Bible, it says, these things are gone from me. That's what it says. Huh. You go, what does that mean? Well, some commentators believe that he was so startled and it was so amazing, but he couldn't remember the dream. He's like, I know I'm freaked out. I know, but I don't, you need to tell me what it is and what it meant. That's what he says. My decision is firm. That's one school of thought. The second school of thought is basically... I've said what I've said. Tell me the dream. I'm not, I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to budge. You need to interpret it. Okay? Now, he wants both for them to tell them what he dreamed and what it meant. The second part of verse 5 and 6, you could imagine the Chaldeans come before him and go, Hey, Hey, king, oh, king, live forever. How you doing? You doing all right? You okay? I know you're a little freaked out. Calm down. Okay, like, like you're the best king we've ever seen. Amen. And, um, and the king goes, listen, I have some good news. 
And I have some bad news. What do you want first? Well, give me the, what do we always say? Give me the bad news first, right? Give me the bad news. He goes, listen, here's the bad news. If you don't tell me the dream and tell me what it means, I'm going to cut you to pieces. Wow. Oh, and by the way, not only you, but your homes. And at that point, you're going, oh, what's the good news? Right? <laughs> what's the good news? Well, if you tell me the dream and it's in terms of you're going you're gonna to have gifts and rewards, you're going to be rich, you're going to have great honor. It's up to you. Now think about it. What would you do? Right? What would you do? I have good news and I have bad news. What would you do? What would you do? They start to panic. Look at verse 7. And they answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will give his interpretation. They're trying to... It's like, this is crazy. And the king answered and said, I know for certain that you would gain time because you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make known the dream to me, that there is only one decree for you. For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can give me his its interpretation. I mean, the king's not budging on this. You understand that. This is heavy. This is deep. This is like the bottom is falling out. This is not good. This is not good. What do we do in this situation? Man, first of all, I wouldn't want to be a wise guy. I wouldn't want to be that. Yeah, but you got all the accolades. You got all the great stuff. No, 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 no. Because the Chaldeans answered in verse 10 and said, King, there's not a man on earth who could tell the king's matter. Therefore, no king, lord, or ruler has ever asked such a thing of any magician, astrologer, or Chaldean. God, he's going, they're going, King, you crazy. I don't want to tell you, you crazy. Nobody's ever done this. Why are you asking? It's a difficult thing that the king requests. And there's no other one who can tell the king except for the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. And for this reason, the king was angry and very furious. And he gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Guys, think about what just happened. He's in his third year. He has this weird dream. God has given the dream. And now he's like, okay, I've just about had it. A couple of things could be happening. He could be going, okay, I've had it. I've just, this is just crazy. You need to tell me the interpretation. You need to do this. Now, one of the reasons perhaps um, he used the situation to, to test the suitability of his father's old advisors. And of course, the dream provided him with a good reason to clean house. He's like, listen, if you guys, listen, you guys are the old school. Tell me the dream. If not, I'm going to start fresh with new guys. I'm not sure I lean that way because Daniel is part of the, of the wise guys. He's, he's part of that. And so I think, I think that Nebuchadnezzar is so freaked out. He's so freaked out that he's like, listen, I'm furious. I'm angry. It's time. I've had enough. Look at verse 13. So the decree went out. And here's what I want you to underline. They began to kill the wise men. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. 
Okay? Now, you go, why is that? Why do you want me to underline they began killing the wise men? Because this is sad. This is sad. They're standing there, the wise people, the, the astrologers, all these, we can't do it, I'm sorry, nobody's ever asked, this is crazy king. And he goes, okay, let the killing begin. And you would think, now listen, you would think that in that moment, God would swoop in and go, no, 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 let's get Daniel. But it doesn't say that. It says, they began killing the wise men. Don't know where they start. Maybe they started with A. You know, all the A, all the wise guys with A in their name. Adam, you're next. (laughs) Boom. I don't know how they did this, but it tells me this. Now, something jumped out of the text when I read this. Because I said, I wrote down what we missed, what we missed at just reading it, as that some were killed. And then my heart began to wonder, were some of the wise guys that were killed from Israel? You know, it wasn't just, like, like the story focuses on Daniel and his companions, but there were others like Daniel who, who, who made the grade. They weren't going, okay, all the wise guys in Babylon to one side, all the wise guys from Israel, let's kill you first. Maybe they just said, okay, you're, you're the wise, let's go. And they got to kill him. And I started thinking about this. What if that was Israel? What does that mean? Can I tell you what jumped out of the text to me? In this crazy world, in this crazy world, God-fearing, God-loving men and women will be taken before their time, if you will. Have you ever heard that? Oh, Lord, why would, why would, why? So last night I'm sitting on my recliner and I get an email from Calvary Chapel magazine. And the headline is, and I don't know when this happened, but it says, Pastor is killed in a one-car crash, wife survives. So I click on it, I want to read the article, and sure enough, this pastor and his wife, who is pregnant, was, were, were moving in to take on a new fellowship. It was a Calvary Chapel pastor, that's why it, was, that's why it came to me. And somehow, through the Nevadas, they, they ended up on a crash, one-car crash, and he dies. The baby's fine. The wife survives. But most of us would stop and go, Lord. There, these are guys who are promoting the gospel. These are guys who are, who, are, who are preaching Jesus. Come on, let's be honest. A lot of us would go, why don't you take those guys? Why don't, why don't you get rid of them? There's, <laughs> there's plenty in our list we can get rid of. But Lord, the pastor, Calvary Chapel, Windsor, Colorado, the pastor and his wife were killed in a car crash. There was a pastor who was changing light bulbs in a ladder in the sanctuary, happened to slip, fall down, and die. You understand? And we go, man, Lord, they were taken way before their time. I don't understand. But I think we need to realize that in this world, there are times when we go, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. 
because the Bible says they've been killing the wise guys, but I think it needs to bring comfort to our lives. You see, God doesn't call us to understand. He says to walk by faith, to trust him. And whether you're a pastor, missionary, school teacher, whatever it might be, whatever you are, whatever job you are, you have, you have an appointed time when you were born and you have an appointed time when you're going to go home. You guys with me? So what do you do? You live within this time. You live your life. You know that everything in your life is Father-filtered. Everything. And you trust the living God. You say, God, you got this. And when we die, church, listen to me as believers, when we die, it's a glorious thing. We're not trying to fight this, I want to stay. We go, wow, I lived my life. Why? Why? Because your choices, your mistakes, the things that you did, the things that you didn't do, all that goes away because your righteousness comes from Jesus. That's how. That's how. Look at verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Now, here's what I need you to see. With counsel and wisdom... Daniel answers the door. Daniel, obviously innocent in all this, yet he calmly and discreetly deals with the crisis. Do you guys see that? Daniel's calmness in crisis showed what kind of man he really was. People are being killed. Daniel answers the door. Go, okay, let's talk about this. What's going on? Here's what I want you to catch. You ready? This is good. Major crises do not make the man. They reveal the men. When the bottom drops out in our lives, you can often see what your heart really is. Oh, that's, that's got to be tweetable. I'm telling you, that's good. That's good. I think a good indication of our closeness to God is to walk through difficulty because it reveals our heart. And God's not up there going, aha, see, you just went through a different, I show. He wants us to see our own heart so we can go, oh, Lord, I'm a little bit far from you. Oh, Lord, I really blew that one. I need to check my, wow, maybe I'm not as strong. At, oh, 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 what a great lesson from Daniel, guys. The next difficulty you go through, see your heart. See your heart. I'm not saying you're going to pass with flying colors. I'm going to be, oh, wow. But I'm saying, he goes, wow. Wow. Verse 15. He answered and said to Arioch, the king captain, why is this decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch made a decision known to Daniel. So Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Now, this is very, very, very important. So we're going to close our Bible study here, but I don't, don't put your Bibles away just yet, okay? Because I want you to see, Daniel comes in, and he, he just says, what, what, what's going on? I, I wasn't there at the meeting. <laughs> I, I didn't, I, why are you killing people? And he says, this is what happened, this is the dream. And he goes, okay, let me talk to the king. And he goes in there, and he says, can you give me some time? Now, here's what I want you to see. This wasn't a stalling tactic. He wasn't going, oh, man, I just... Oof. 
listen, if I get if I get a couple more days from the king, then we could get these wise guys out. They can they can leave or move or whatever. That's not the case. Why? You ready? Daniel knew that it takes time to listen to the Lord and to wait upon him. It takes time. Daniel was willing to take the time and if the king would grant it. What does that mean for us? You ready? We need, ready church? We need to learn to pray and hear the voice of God. And it takes time. It takes time. I wrote this. We live in a fast, microwavable world that we forget to slow down and listen. And listen. I'm reminded as my sister Sally sitting here nodding her head. If you hear her testimony, it's ex- she can relate it. Slow down, pray, and listen to God's voice. And sometimes he knocks us on our behinds to do it. Let me leave you with this. Let us remember in our world we're going to have trouble. Keep our eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Draw close to him. Be careful. Be careful, be careful what you allow in your eye gate, what you allow in your ear gate. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Pray. Listen. Slow down. God has already told us what's about to happen. Be of good cheer. We win. We win. Take that home with you tonight. Father, we thank you for your word tonight and the truth in your word. We thank you for 16 verses just um, breaking down Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Thank you, Lord, that we can learn lessons from Daniel. Thank you that we can learn lessons from our Jesus. Thank you for the word of God. Tonight, my prayer is our little church would slow down would pray, would hear the voice of God. That our lives would glorify Him in purpose and in purity, in faith, hope, and love. And that we would see the last Gentile come home very soon. But until then, Lord, help us to work in the power of the Spirit to bring glory to you. In all that we say, in all that we do, in how we live in difficulties, in circumstances, whatever it might be, that we can draw close to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.